0: Welcome to the Science and Paranormal with Dr. Yana and Dr. Elliot where science meets the unexpected, where we delve deep into the mysteries that straddle the line between scientific inquiry and paranormal. Get ready for a mind-altering journey as we embark on this phenomenal discovery together on United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM.
1: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Science and the Paranormal with Dr. Yana and Dr. Elias. Uh, tonight we are broadcasting live from the United Public Radio Network, the UFO paranormal radio network 105.3 and 107.7 fm at new orleans and also on roku tv and tonight we're just going to have an open mic night and we encourage our listeners and anyone that is able to uh text us in the chat to uh share their experiences ask us questions uh we are an open book tonight about the science and the paranormal
0: Yes, good evening ladies and gentlemen. Today is an exciting evening. Let's talk about everything that is paranormal out of our own personal experiences. Also answer the questions, anything that you have. So come on over, visit us and ask us questions.
1: Yes, for sure. Um, Speaking of questions, uh, I know that uh, we were going to share some of our paranormal experiences to start the uh, the evening off. So um, I always get asked how I got involved in the paranormal and whether or not it was an experience that got me involved in the paranormal. But for those that follow my work, uh, they'll know that it was actually Unsolved Mysteries that got me interested in the paranormal because I knew I always wanted to be a police officer but not just any police officer. I wanted to be a homicide detective. And uh, every once in a while, Unsolved Mysteries would throw in one of those cool ghost episodes or UFO episodes. And um, of course, I found that fascinating as well. And then in 1997, when the X-Files came on, I um, thought it was really cool that there was two law enforcement officers investigating the paranormal. So, uh, after that i created my nonprofit organization paranormal phenomena research and investigation and have been investigating and researching the paranormal ever since and the first paranormal experience i had was before i was a police officer but had a couple of years of paranormal investigations under my belt and it was a haunted house in kentville and uh It was really interesting so the homeowners had reported to us that they were seeing faces in uh, some of their photographs that they had witnessed uh, a ghost dog one of their basset hounds had passed away Uh, they had pennies that were mysteriously materializing all over the house and they saw a female apparition walk down the stairwell so it was a lot of activity they had just moved into the home uh within the you know six months it was an older home a century home and uh, definitely got my interest so once we went went there uh, the first evening we came into the house we made sure it was all clear and pennies um, we found high EMF readings near the stairwell where they would see the uh, apparition which was interesting and uh, the second night we came back we uh, kind of resolved that I'll explain that in a second but that night uh it was about two or three o'clock in the morning And I had an investigator that would go check the camera, the battery, make sure it's still uh, full, and the tape, make sure it's still recording. Back when you had the old cassette tapes that were recording video. And uh, at 2 or 3 in the morning when he went over, there was a penny that had materialized by the base of our tripod. And um, it was set up in such a way that no one else could uh, come into the room without us knowing it. Uh, The husband and the two daughters were upstairs in bed. The wife was with us and the investigative team was all in the, uh, living room. So that was the first, uh, paranormal thing that I had. It, it wasn't a hoax. It wasn't uh, somebody on the team or in the house that had put that penny there that legitimate legitimately materialized. So that was the only thing that happened that night besides the high EMF readings. So we decided to go back a second night and the second night, one of my investigators actually saw an apparition in the upstairs bedroom. So, there was no doubt in my mind after uh, two investigations at that house that, that house definitely was haunted now with the photos we were able to explain those uh, as just visual pareidolia and for those listeners out there that haven't heard of visual pareidolia our mind is designed to make sense of images that we don't understand and sounds that we don't understand so that's why when you look up at the cloud Uh, You know, long enough, you can see some sort of shape in there or an animal or a creature. And same when you listen to electronic voice phenomena, um, you could hear stuff in there. Or once somebody tells you what they think it says, that's all you can hear. And it's because our brain is designed to make sense of things that don't make sense. So we ended up uh, realizing that what happened is when they would take the picture flash would hit the wood. It was this nice kind of cherry wood that was highly polished. And uh, when the flash would hit that, it would just create an illusion that there was faces in, in, uh, in the photograph. It was always on the wood beams. We were able to replicate it. Uh, so they were happy with that. Uh, the ghost dog that they witnessed, we couldn't explain that. That was something that only happened while they were there. My investigator had seen a female child apparition Um, up in the upstairs bedroom, they had seen an adult apparition on the stairwell, Um, but what we found out is where those high EMF readings were coming from, they actually, because the home was hundred years old, they actually had unshielded wires underneath the floorboard, and that was actually causing the EMF readings to be so high. So we had made note of that so that they could uh, have that looked at by an electrician. So. Definitely had some natural phenomena happening there, but also, you know, a couple of things that we couldn't explain. So that was really my first experience with, uh, you know, the real paranormal, um, besides just researching and things like that. How about yourself, Dr. Yana?
0: That is a crazy first paranormal experience.
1: It was a great investigation. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it's one that sticks with me for sure. Um, what about you? What's the first uh, paranormal experience that you, you recall?
0: That is so interesting that um, you're mentioning being a detective and working uh, in the law enforcement. I was actually, uh, when I was a child and adolescent, I really wanted to be a detective because I've read all of the Arthur Conan Doyle books on Sherlock Holmes and I've wanted to be a detective. Uh, It actually did not turn out to be, uh, I didn't turn out to be working for law enforcement. However, I became a detective of human souls. And from early on that I remember, I've always uh, uh, been a seer since a very early childhood. And uh, those things that normally human eye cannot see, I was able to see. Evidently, I had that gift uh, from childhood. And uh, my first uh, experience was, I believe, that coming face-to-face with paranormal when I was 18. But uh, this is something that people would be interested in, this kind of uh, scary ghost stories. But even before that, I was um, able to see certain things that uh, now would be considered uh, paranormal. I used to know. The time, the sad things, uh, the time when the person would die, I would know in the future, how soon in the future the person is going to die, how many uh, months, days or years uh, he has left or she. And uh, I used to tell that uh, to my parents. uh, uh, At first, they just dismissed it thinking that, uh, you know. Everything can happen while you're a child. You can have interesting experiences and uh, make things up. But then I started noticing that I um, that those people that I said that that would uh, pass away, they did, including our relatives, that the people that the uh, friends that we had, and um, they started taking me to, to take me seriously. Um, but the one of the notable experiences that I had was at the time when I was 18, I had a boyfriend who had a sister with whom the story had happened. And interestingly enough, uh, she was such a nice and sweet girl. She was, I think at the time she was 16 and we were 18 And most of the days that I saw her, she was absolutely fine, sweet and talking, very polite. And then on a few nights, I've noticed the most atrocious thing happening. In my mind, it was the most bizarre thing that I never thought it was possible even to happen. Even nowadays, later in my career with the paranormal, I didn't see anything like that since then but I know that in Vatican, it did happen. So on one of the evenings, uh, when I saw her, she was um, doing fine up until one particular minute when she's starting throwing up. And then she threw up a lot of hair and that never stopped. That's not like I can't say like never. It didn't stop for about two hours while I was there. Right. And to me, it is not, I, I thought it was not possible to swallow so much hair in order to puke it later. And uh, looking at that made me in fact, uh, scared because that was such an unusual experience and I never had to see anything like that. Uh, but I left and in about a couple of weeks after that, uh, a different um, occurrence happened, she started throwing up, out of the blue, metal objects, including big nails. And I thought, that couldn't be just a trick. It wasn't a trick. She was in pain and she was throwing up nails one after another. Those were not such small, little bitty nails. Those were big nails. And they were coming out of her one after another, one after another. And she did not seem possessed. At this time, of course, that I would know what possession is. But at that time, I didn't. But looking from the experience that I have now, back until the time when I was 18, I could positively state that she was not possessed, but nevertheless, this is exactly what was happening to her, and she was not making it up, and she didn't swallow the nails beforehand. Later on, I learned that her mom uh, had an interesting experience, not particularly with a light cases of the paranormal. Her mom was involved in witchcraft. So did her uh, grandmother. So, well, of course, at the time I thought that, okay, this is, it just doesn't sound too good. And perhaps I don't need that boyfriend. <laughs> but you're 18, you don't think that way at the time, right? So, after that moment, after that day, she probably... Uh, had two more experiences like that, but they did not involve nails. Every time it would be something different, some other object, and she would be really petrified after the fact of what had actually happened to her. And seeing that right in front of my eyes, I could see that that she was truthful. That was an authentic experience, and uh, that was not made up. Now, I have not seen anything since then. However, in Vatican, I know that there is uh, uh, a person, a priest, that pro- that passed away already. I had to look up his name. That uh, was uh, that has not has been doing exorcisms his uh, almost entire conscious life, and he said that. The throwing up nails and big nails was a part of his practice that he saw that a few times. And I believe him because I could see that with my own eyes. A lot of the times that people say that, no, that is all fake and people make it up. It's not possible to make such things up when you throw something up for two hours. Because uh, when you throw up and you clear your stomach, then you're supposed to feel better not to throw up for two hours. And she did not have any stomach virus. So those were occurrences when she was throwing up uh, objects for about two hours straight. So that was my experience, the original experience. And I started uh, uh, looking into the world of the paranormal. However, for me at the time, it was a pretty scary experience that I decided not to go into that for many years, although I would still uh, investigate the places. I would investigate the um, um, human souls in order to uh, understand the archetypal patterns in the souls uh, uh, in the personal narratives of the person in order to help them. but. Coming face-to-face with the paranormal investigations happened uh, probably 10 years after that. So that was the experience for me.
1: We've got a question for you. Uh, Gloria asks, I don't mean to interrupt. I'm curious. Could she have had uh, some sort of mental disorder like uh, PICA? Now, with your experience now, both in the paranormal and uh, psychology, what would your thoughts be? on looking back on it now retrospectively.
0: Well, the thing is that uh, with Pika, what happens is that um, kids, uh, uh, they put uh, actual non-food items uh, into their mouth. And of course, after that, that they would be uh, throwing up However, that was not uh, uh, the case. That is normally happening with the younger kids. And she was about 16. And again, when you uh, put some foreign objects uh, uh, into yourself, when you ingest them, then again... When they all come out, you feel much better. When, of course, like with a, um, what parents would do, they would induce uh, throwing up, and the children—that's what ch- children would do—and they would feel better. It would not be taking place for two hours straight, and then nails after nails. Besides, I think that it is not possible to even ingest uh, uh, big nails like this. They were long, fat nails with uh, kind of thick heads, mm. so.
1: Yeah, there's been uh, there's been reports of some people that were uh, possessed of of throwing up, uh, uh, even a uh, like a single long nail, almost like a railroad uh, kind of tie, uh, you know, similar to what the Romans would have used to uh, crucify people. I know down in uh, New Orleans where we're broadcasting live uh, from that, uh, I've talked to some people involved in uh, the voodoo world, and when they have. Uh, kind of done a, a spiritual kind of cleanse or exorcist version of their exorcism that people have uh, thrown up snakes and, and strange, strange things like that. But, um, you know, great question by Gloria, because certainly when we're investing in this type of phenomena, we do have to uh, look at mental and, and physical health as uh, one of the reasons. Um,
0: Absolutely.
1: You know, so that would be something that uh, we would uh, certainly have to look into.
0: Yeah, just remember that was Father Gabriel uh, Amorth in Rome, uh, who would have this happen to him on few occasions, and uh, he would be dealing with adults, and adults would be throwing up nails, and <clears throat> I think there was uh, uh, it, it was depicted in the movie The Right with Anthony Hopkins if you remember that i think there was a case when the girl was throwing up uh, the nails however i believe that was not the original story and uh even if it was based on the true events uh, those nails were not the the part of the original story so but it does happen it does happen and of course here we have to rule out mental illness however in my practice i um are more and more convinced that a lot of mental illnesses are rooted in all sorts of spiritual possessions oppressions and um people are affected uh, to various degrees by different kinds of uh, spiritual emanations
1: yeah no that's uh yeah that's very interesting when stuff like that happens and of course uh in possession cases as well we also look for uh you know, other signs as well, the aversion to religious objects, uh, you know, uh, the speaking in a language that they shouldn't know, especially if it's Latin uh, or the old Hebrew. Uh, levitation or paranormal. Oh, form, yeah. that. Um, I've never witnessed a levitation, actually, in any of the 27 years I've been investigating. How about how about you? Have you witnessed any levitation?
0: Um, no, I have not. Not levitation, however, I know about the many cases uh, uh, that were popularized um, in Christianity with the saints, and some saints actually levitated.
1: Yeah, I have heard of that. Uh, um, yeah, no, that's that's very interesting. We got a few people chatting tonight, which is great. I'm just trying to keep up with it all. Um, IG Laws uh, wrote that, uh recently read that there was an experiment carried out to determine how much a a person's soul weighs. I have heard uh, news articles about that. Yes. uh, Works out to be a couple a few grams. I do believe
0: 21 grams. In fact, that was uh, the McDougall's experiment. And he actually weighed the human soul. He, in fact that I remember he uh, decided to weigh human bodies before they died and after they died. And so he determined that people, after they die, they become 21 grams lighter. So this is how he was able to establish the weight of a soul. It's not interesting. 21 very- grams. So without those 21 grams, we are nobody. If we don't have a soul, that's it.
1: That is very interesting. Yeah. Um, do we know how many bodies they tested that on?
0: It was not that many. I don't remember exactly, but that was a relatively uh, small number of bodies.
1: Interesting. It would be, uh, yeah, it would be, uh, (laughs) I'm arguing here with uh, spirit medium Daniel. It's interesting. Um, So he believes that there's no such thing as possession, which I would respectfully uh, disagree with. Um and uh, I said as a as a medium, um, you know, what about trans mediumship? Because uh there are some trans mediums that would uh allow spirits to actually use their body to communicate through them. Um and uh he still argues with that and and, and doesn't believe in it. So I mean, uh we're all entitled to our own opinions, I guess. I do believe that it is a form of uh spirit possession, um, like other parapsychologists do. Um but uh...
0: and in fact uh, um Dr Elliot we in fact we are not here to persuade anyone we're just here to open uh the floor for people to come and investigate with us to hear our conversations and uh, the conversations that we have uh, uh, with other scientists on this topic besides uh, I know that the A lot of us, when we are convicted of something, right, we strongly believe that. So if you come to somebody and say, oh, no, you are wrong, that means that you're wrong yourself. So I never try to persuade people otherwise, because the convictions that we hold are so dear to us that we are willing to defend. So here we just explore the topic and bring the uh, latest news uh, um, and the science that we can connect with uh, anything that is paranormal. And that is it. Um, And of course, some people, when they have not experienced that, for them, it would be difficult to believe so oh, i can absolutely. see that and,
1: and, and in today's world I, I i say this all the time in my lectures now we used to say a picture was worth a thousand words but now
0: to,
1: today with uh, artificial intelligence and uh, deep fakes it, it, it's not worth a thousand words anymore so now we've actually gone back to seeing as believing and uh, i have skeptics that um, you know attend my lectures uh, as well but it's interesting though when you tell uh, then the story, you know, like I said, they always get quiet and they pay very close attention to what you're saying and they, they are interested and engaged in your story. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, uh, when people leave my lecture, whether or not they believe that ghosts are real or uh, that poltergeist phenomena is caused by living agents or the fact that demons uh, exist, um, that's up to them, uh, you know everyone everyone has uh that's that's why we have free will everyone you know is entitled to their own their own thoughts and their own opinions and like you said we uh just present uh the science and the paranormal we uh you know stay up to date on, on all the uh clinical uh laboratory research that's being done and experiments and uh all we do is is you know report the fascinating uh facts in fact one of the interesting things that i i love talking about is uh dr samperina i uh, watched an interview with him and he's a medical doctor for those that don't know who he is a medical doctor parapsychologist at a new york university and uh, dr samperina can empirically say as a medical doctor uh, without question that human consciousness can survive clinical death once the brain is stopped and the heart stopped and all the vitals have stopped for at least two hours after death um he knows that from all his research that he's done with Project Aware, Project Aware 2, where they've resuscitated people and brought them back. And uh, he's not sure, and he's honest about that, what happens after uh, the two-hour mark. He doesn't know if the, you know, the human consciousness dissipates or if it goes into the spiritual realm, uh, but he is absolutely able to say and, and would back up the fact that uh, you know, the, the human consciousness can survive death at least two hours.
0: I also uh, could say that in regard of the poltergeist, that the cases that we see are the extreme cases, uh, and they don't happen very often. However, uh, going away from them, Uh, all of this uh, media and movie representation of poltergeist, I could uh, see that uh, I also experienced that in my life to uh, some degree. And that would be the energy of regular people who would be affecting negative situations or situations that would turn negative. Um, For example, I know that uh, we have in my family the hereditary gifts uh, of uh, possessing uh, strong energies and being able to manipulate it. Uh, however, I've noticed that some of us uh, who have not really mastered uh, our own energies. Uh, they can be used, they could use them before that. I know Uh, my grandma, my mom, that what they would do, they would unconsciously use those energies when they would wish something bad. And it's such an an innocuous situation. For example, if we had an argument, for example, uh, all of a sudden I know that things are moving against, just around me, things will be falling, I would be stumbling. Uh, things would be broken all the time. Uh, lots of accidents would happen, uh, either with my car or um, any places that I would go. Something would definitely fall on me. And it is not, in fact, as is, uh, associated with me. I'm not the one who is bringing up uh, this sort of events. But that would be uh, the energy, for example, of my mom, who was not conscious of this um a strong uh, energy curing that she had until I had a conversation with her. And I said, you know, that what you do uh, during our arguments is negatively affecting me and I suffer. And I might as well, just because what is happening here, I I might be seriously injured. And I asked her to harness that energy. And she did. She did. At first, uh, she was really... Not believing and uh, rejecting the fact, and later on when I said this and that happened, she said, "Yes, I can understand that because it also happened with a grandma and her sisters, and that's exactly is the case. That was the case with me. And nowadays, I try not to argue with her <laughs> because even regular-looking people can possess uh, energies so that would be strong enough to call the pol- poltergeist. guys." And even if uh, poltergeist is called a noisy uh, spirit, What noise does it create? The noise of breaking the glass, for example, the noise uh, even of cars breaking down. So that when the objects are flying around you, when the objects are falling out of the blue and you don't even know. So those, if we look at the mundane experiences, life day to day life, and I encourage people not to be carried away by the uh, sensations of the TV and the Hollywood, uh, but actually looking at the day-to-day experiences when things like that are possible and uh, uh energies can affect uh, us personally uh and people around us and even events uh, um later on when i was able to even investigate and uh um research the science of energies i am able to control it and not only to control but to direct it in certain uh directions that uh, would be beneficial for me beneficial for other people
1: that's yeah no i i agree i think um i i i can't uh i can't say i i agree the most with you (laughs) really you know i do i really do um gloria has uh Uh, or uh, kind of asked a clarifying question uh, about how long after the body was weighed after death. That part, I'm not sure. I know that uh, Dr. McDougall was, um, he actually did it with six patients and he found on average um, that uh, the body would lose 21 grams of weight on, uh, as somebody else in the chat there said, uh, a special kind of scale that was set up. And I guess the patients were dying of tuberculosis, uh, the ones that he examined, um, which was really interesting. But uh, his his paper was published in a scientific journal, um, I believe it was American Medicine, and uh, this is over a hundred years ago now. We're, mm-hmm. talking, we're talking around early nineteen hundreds, but um, yeah, very very interesting. Uh, and that's that's probably where you get the uh, even today you still hear about the the soul, because I I told you I knew it was in grams, I didn't know it was twenty one, but uh, yeah, you always hear people talk about the the soul weighing twenty one grams. That's where it would come from. Is from that study.
0: Yeah. So um, he had previously determined the weight loss attributed to evaporation of moisture from the skin. And uh, by comparison, um, this was suddenly much larger. He even controlled the weight loss due to urine and fecal elimination and concluded that this could not account for the change in weight. So just because the sample was so small, I don't think it is conclusive in fact, but uh, 21 grams that he had observed was uh, uh, taken as the measure of the weight of the soul. But it's not interesting that even now in the 21st century that we uh, don't know much about our soul, and of course, per psychology, uh, and uh, I can't even talk about psychology because the psychology, uh, as appears, it is uh, the mainstream psychology, is the study of the mind, not necessarily of the soul. And here we are trying to understand what happens be- behind the curtains of our mind, and of course, that would be the soul and consciousness that would be directing our mind. Yeah,
1: so there's so much.
0: Interesting
1: there, question. There is, yeah. No, and there's so much that we don't know about human consciousness, even in, you know, even in parapsychology. And I think that's why uh, mainstream science or your hard sciences has a very difficult time uh, getting involved in, in parapsychology. Uh, so parapsychology is the scientific study of extrasensory perception or psychic abilities, mind-matter interaction or psychokinesis, as it's referred to, and survival of human consciousness beyond bodily death it can also include out of body experiences reincarnation uh, ghost investigations anything like that um but it is really interesting because we have no way to detect human consciousness even in the medical field we don't have you know a ekg machine or an mri machine or anything like that that can detect human consciousness so there's uh, there's a bunch of different beliefs there's you know the belief that uh, it's just our brain and that's the way it functions and once we die it gets turned off and, and that's it uh, others believe that it's uh, you know it's housed inside this physical shell once we die it, it is energy. It can't be destroyed or changed. Uh, so it, uh, you know, it leaves the body. It moves on. Some people believe in re- reincarnation. Others believe that you go to, uh, you know, the promised land. Um, there's all kinds of different beliefs. And when you start to dig into it as well, it's very interesting because uh, culture plays a factor. Different cultures have different beliefs. Uh, religion certainly plays a factor. Um, Yeah, even just... The way the way you're raised you know if you were raised uh very matter of fact and 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 uh scientifically then you may be more of a skeptic and uh there have been studies done in parapsychology where people that experience paranormal phenomena tend to be believers rather than skeptics and uh i believe we have touched base on this on a couple of our other shows about this um, or earlier episodes, because we talked about it would be very hard for a skeptic to believe in something that they don't believe in. So so it makes sense that it makes sense that believers tend to experience paranormal phenomena more so than skeptics.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, uh, you are not a believer until you come face to face with it. And uh, my family, well, growing up, there was no uh, religion uh, uh, in Russia and the Soviet Union when you grow up. There's just no religion. And then you grow up uh, not knowing what God is. You don't uh, get concerned. uh, You did not get concerned about uh, your soul. Uh, You wouldn't even ask uh, a person questions because uh, we never went to church. Uh, We never spoken of life after death in my family. Uh, In fact, it was prohibited of both of my fathers, the were colonel and colonels in the army, and God forbid even to be caught by doing that. So we uh, never practiced and uh, we never went to church. And um, believing in something like this would be... uh, Out of the ordinary. Nevertheless, uh, when uh, you are born and you are born with a gift uh, of seeing, then uh, um, then you should use it. But the thing is that for many many years I denied it. Even if I was told when I was seventeen, this is what I should be doing with my life and actually using my gift, I said no, and uh, I would like to stress uh, the importance of the fact that when you're given a gift it is not by accident you have to use it and if you don't use it uh not that it is going to be taken away from you but you will suffer at some point in time things will start crumbling uh people may get sick Uh, uh life deteriorates people leave and uh we have to be really conscious about it so if your soul is calling you to do something Please go and do it. It doesn't matter how bizarre it sounds. Uh, uh, just um, uh, take it um, critically, of course. Uh, uh, weigh all pros and cons, of course. But then, nevertheless, follow your heart.
1: Yeah, and you often hear people say, uh, you know, they they join law enforcement because it was uh, a calling, or they became. Uh, a- paranormal uh investigator because it was a calling or um you even hear some some exorcists say that uh you know they that they never chose to uh to be an exorcist or never joined the the church to become an exorcist but uh it became a calling for them and uh, a lot of them will say that uh they they feel that that was god's will that they wanted them to do that type of work uh in the catholic church it's called deliverance work um just like father gary
0: father gary who was the protagonist of the uh anthony hopkins role in the Mm -hmm. movie the Mm right
1: yeah
0: so that's exactly is the case when he told me we we had a conversation with him about the the exorcism and deliverance uh, and uh, um everything that it involves Uh, he looked at me and he said well yana do you think that Any person in their right mind will uh, one day wake up and think that, oh, I want to become an exorcist. No way, nobody ever, and even I didn't want to do that. Who wants to do it? It's pretty scary. It's upsetting. And not that many people want to do that, Uh, be interested in that. And he said that, uh, no, you have to do it. If this is your calling, you have to do it
1: yep no that uh you're right and and that's kind of their their opinions on it and uh, it's uh it's interesting speaking of opinions uh, i I get I get easily uh, I, I do tend to get easily frustrated with uh, skeptics and uh, <laughs> I do, do want to let uh, our audience know that it is a good thing in the paranormal to be critical for sure but Absolutely. there is a difference between And you have to be critical, actually, I I would even argue. And that's why when people ask me, what am I? Am I a believer? Am I a skeptic? I call myself a critical believer because I do use, um, you know, science to try and explain uh, the paranormal. And when I'm left with, you know, such as that penny appearing and I can't explain that or... The times that I've witnessed door handles turn three fourths of the way in a haunted house, and I open the door, there's nobody there. You know, I can't explain that. To me, I put that in the paranormal. Maybe someday down the road, we'll find out that there's invisible entities walking around that can open doors or things like that. You know, one day it may be explained. We don't know. But there's a difference between healthy skepticism and unhealthy skepticism. And that's why I call myself a critical believer, because I don't like the term skepticism, because when you hear the term skepticism now in, in the paranormal, it's usually referred to the unhealthy skeptic. And what the unhealthy skeptic does, which is different than being critical or a healthy skeptic, is they're very dismissive of information. They reject any sort of ideas or evidence without even fairly considering it. Um, They're very cynical towards the paranormal. They have confirmation bias, and they only acknowledge the evidence that supports pre-existing beliefs, and they ignore and dismiss Mm -hmm. any evidence that contradicts that thought. They're very inflexible and refuse to change their position, even when there's overwhelming evidence to the contrary, and they can engage in disrespectful uh, conversation. Whereas the healthy skepticism, people are open-minded. They consider new evidence. uh, They use critical thinking, which is again, why I use the term critical believer. Uh, They seek out the evidence themselves. They have a willingness to change and they, They have a respectful discourse that comes with that. And uh, there is there is a big difference. And I think that's why a lot of people that are good paranormal investigators are hesitant to call themselves a skeptic, because, like I said, in the paranormal field, we relate the term skeptic to the unhealthy skeptic. Absolutely. And in parapsychology, we get we get uh, Torn apart for our laboratory experiences by skeptics, but it's all—it's all the same thing. When I was teaching the course, uh, Introduction to Parapsychology, through our Parapsychological Education Center, um, it was really interesting. I felt bad because uh, every week when we would go over the criticisms with, uh, say, precognition or retrocognition, they were all the same. Is that uh, you know our methodology gets attacked? Um, Sensory leakage gets attacked. uh, Misappropriation of the statistics. You know, all those different kind of science-based arguments come out from the skeptics. But the thing about paranormal uh, laboratory experiments is that we actually have some of the best protocols because we do come under fire so much. And we have to tighten things up. So, you know, um, an example of that would be uh, when Charles Onerton, uh, and, and um, oh, geez, I'm trying to think of the other experimenter's name. It was Onerton, and uh, it'll come to me. Uh, but they created the Joint Communique with and created the Otto Gansfeld. So what it was is a believer and a skeptic got together, and they looked at the work that was being done with the Gansfeld, and they ended up creating a stricter, tighter protocol. And it was an awesome thing to see a skeptic working with a believer to tighten up that experiment. So, uh, parapsychology has, uh, you know, really come under fire, but, uh, they do the best with what they can. I mean, we're dealing with a topic that is unknown. It's not normal to, uh, you know, physical science or it goes against what physical science knows. Um, and yeah, I just, I find it funny. Everyone attacks the the but I don't really hear like astrophysicists uh, getting attacked for their theories or anything like that. I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's because they don't really talk about their work.
0: Well, uh, you know what? In order to be the astrophysicist, you have to have uh, uh, years uh, um, of education, of course, and it is quite hard for people uh, to measure up with them or even have a conversation on astrophysical topics. However, with the topic of paranormal, people can relate to that more. And some have uh, personal experiences, of course. And a lot of people find it that they can converse on those topics, even if they haven't had any uh, personal experiences. So, uh Also, as Jung said, we can learn a lot about ourselves, right, by the irritations that we have against others and uh, uh, other events. So, in fact, those people, those harsh critics uh, that we have in this field, they can, as I think, converse on these topics, right? Uh, But nevertheless, they're interested in this topic. That means that there is a reflection of them in parapsychology however it has been my observation just because they are not involved in investigations for one reason or another and they would like to be there doing that firsthand but instead of doing that they become this crazy um not the crazy but the really strong critics of what We do. And in my understanding, they would rather come and do uh, this research themselves, right, to be in our shoes, but they decide not to for whatever reasons. And that's how they become critical. This is my understanding. People who do a lot, people who do more than we do, and it doesn't even have to do with us as parapsychologists, just in regular life and anybody, People who do more than us will never criticize us. It's always those who do less that will criticize us and banish us for our views, for uh, our research, uh, the the technology and approach and methodology. So that is uh, um, understandable that people would have different views on that. But when they come so uh, strongly against something that people should understand that they have a reflection of that topic in themselves. So instead of uh, criticizing, that probably would be a good idea to come and uh, uh, try the field and understand it. But I also know that those critics that actually want to understand the topic, they criticize it uh, with the constructive criticism and they actually want to understand they want to, you to prove it to them that this is the case and I've seen several times that it happened and people would uh, uh, in the first uh, place that would get uh, pretty upset. Uh, at the beginning. Uh, and I would perceive as them being very upset about that. And I would take it as an insult. But in fact, they just want to know. And there are people like that as well. So it is really worthy of trying to explain it uh, to those kind of critics than to those who just come uh, with insults.
1: Absolutely. I agree. And uh, thanks for the, the comment there, IG. He uh... <laughs> he, uh, mentioned i have undeniable quality it? It. and he takes off uh the stetson that would be the hat that the mounties wear uh, so I tip- what,
0: what is that what, what kind of stetson what kind of hat is that yeah it looks
1: like a cowboy hat kind of it's got the big circle uh-huh. it. And, uh, i should have mine up in my office oh I yeah i think it's up in the basement i'll have to bring it up uh oh yeah Next it's like show.
0: taking the head off in front of you, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Respecting um, you,
0: your qualities. D- you know Diane
1: Brighton think. had a good point. So she said when she hears names from spirits, uh, she does some research, looking for obituaries, etc., to to prove evidence, and that's great. That's what we do uh, here at uh, PPRI as well. When I have my medium Jody come in, and uh, she gives us her impressions, um, you know, we try and corroborate as much of what she can give us. Uh, that we can. Um, I wasn't a part of the last investigation, so I I'm not sure how that one went. I have to read all their final reports. But I was a part of the one where I asked her to join our organization, and I was very impressed with her. Uh, my sister uh, is married to her brother, and she kept telling me about Jody and what a good medium she was, and that you know I should sit down and talk to her. So I had this haunted house uh, where uh, items were materializing and being moved. Um, on the homeowners and they thought maybe it was uh, the the homeowner's uh, father that had passed away that was doing it and so I brought Jody to the house I didn't tell her any details about the file I just told her what time and where to go and uh, she showed up and she was able to piece together a whole bunch of things that we were able to corroborate through the homeowner so for instance when she first arrived she felt a male energy Uh, and she felt a pain in her heart and her left arm. It turned out that the gentleman had died of a massive heart attack in the Dominican Republic while on vacation many years ago. Uh, When she was in the garage, she felt that there was an item inside the garage that belonged to the male, and she went and picked up a tape measure. We checked with the homeowner afterwards. It turned out that exact tape measure that she picked up belonged to his father. When she was in the house, she was having trouble standing on her left leg, felt like she was on a boat, rocking on a boat is the way she described it. Found out that the homeowner's mom had to have her left leg amputated and had just passed away uh, last January. Uh, There was a deck of cards that the uh, wife had been playing with and one of the cards went missing. And when we gave her the uh, deck of cards, uh, it was the six of spades that was missing. And uh, she was able to detect the fifth and the seven of spades so she was able to pick the two outline cards that was what was popping into her head and then the last thing that she did was uh she ended up picking up the tape measure and guessed the name of uh, the gentleman's father which i didn't even know and no one on the team knew so um she was either communicating with that spirit and got the name or uh it could have been i guess uh some parapsychologists would argue could have been she was picking up telepathy from the homeowners that would have known the name of the person, but very, very fascinating, um, for sure. And we were able to corroborate all that and the information that she provided us had meaning in that investigation. So Diane, you are definitely on the the right track there. Um, notice Gloria said she had an interesting, uh, she's interested in experiencing paranormal activity. She has dabbled with black magic or spells. Um, She wonders, uh, do we think it'd be less likely to believe her experiences because she's trying to normalize them somehow? She wouldn't consider herself as a skeptic. She's kind of in the middle or unknown. So do I think that she would think uh, she'd be less likely to believe her experiences because she's in the middle? Uh, No, I, I think that you'd probably have an open mind uh, because you're not sure now um, it's the same with me. I, I've experienced a paranormal phenomena, so I know that it's real. Uh, But when any time I go to an investigation or I get a report, I listen to what the people say, you know, they'll say I saw an apparition and uh, I heard footsteps and things open and close on their own, but I don't go into that house automatically thinking that the house is haunted. I go into this house saying, okay, I got to go in. I got to check everything. I got to see, well, is there anything in here that's causing that haunting? Because we do know through laboratory studies that there are certain things that can cause hauntings. Excessive amounts of electromagnetic radiation on days where the earth's geomagnetic field is producing more energy, uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. There's multiple different uh, mental health issues, multiple different things that can cause uh, somebody to experience a haunting. So I think uh, that Gloria probably just puts you into, uh, you know, a good spot to be kind of critical because you're not sure if you believe in the paranormal or not, but it sounds like you're open to those experiences.
0: Yes, exactly. I would add to that as well. I know that in many religious practices, uh, it is um, tradition to test the spirits and dabbling with the black magic or spells uh, and not understanding what the kind of forces are standing behind that, that could be pretty dangerous. And again, uh, I would always caution people um, not to be afraid particularly of some spirits that the people can possess such awful and ugly energy sometimes uh, that would ruin lives of people completely so uh in order to believing less because the uh experiences are somewhat normalized um for example to me seeing uh into the parallel realities has normalized it for me when some other people really want to see something when they are so fascinated with a topic i understand it on one hand and on the other i would warn probably against it because there was a reason why we were not given this uh, all of us this gift to look beyond what we can see because that can be pretty scary uh that is already normalized for me. Even I get once in a while taken aback and I do not take uh, on cases, certain cases that um, are very dist- that have very destructive forces behind uh, them. And. Um, while it could be so fascinating to get face to face with a spirit, to hear, or even to uh, get in touch with something that is unknown, to tickle your nerves, uh, uh, to tickle your imagination, I would warn against that, especially if it is uh, uh, black magic, because. Um, we don't understand exactly what stands behind, what kind of forces are there. They are demonic forces. They are strong archetypal forces that are way above our understanding or comprehension. And they can be pretty strong. And we're just like a little sand granules uh, on the beach. uh, And that ocean can just like swipe us away. But... And the we will just be at the bottom of the ocean. So that has to this topic has to be approached quite consciously uh, and critically. Uh, and not just going into the black magic to experience something, to become a believer. If you want to um, experience something, why don't you go to some haunted homes and try to experience that? Uh, And even then, after leaving haunted locations, you have to uh, cut the energy ties for that place in order not to take anything upon yourself or get attached anything to you when you go home, because it happened on many occasions with me. Even if I uh, protect myself and know how not to take anything home with me, even I sometimes uh, may not even notice uh, those uh, destructive energies until they start manifest. Because um, if I saw everything into the spiritual realm, which I did, uh, years back up until I asked, huh, not to see so much. And indeed I started seeing about 50% less and that normalized my life. Thank God. Uh, so while it's normal for some people, and you want to normalize it for yourself, just start uh, with some haunted locations and just see what it feels to you.
1: Yeah. Haunted locations, uh, are, are a great, uh a great place to start for sure. Uh, no one haunted locations, no, the haunted <laughs> locations, exactly. we, we are at the top of the hour already. This show is flying by. We must be having a great time. Uh, but you're yes. listening to science and the paranormal and we're broadcasting live on the United public radio network, the UFO paranormal radio network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM in new Orleans. And also on Roku TV. The other thing with, um, uh, black magic as well is uh, depending on where you are, there are still some countries uh, where it is illegal to practice uh, witchcraft. Uh, I was just checking some of the ones that still have laws. We actually used to have one in Canada. Um, it was section 365 of the criminal code um, where it was uh, illegal to fraudulent, fraudulently pretend to practice witchcraft, sorcery, uh, enchantment or uh, conjuring. Uh, which is interesting. Um, how do they
0: know that it's fraudulent, Dr. Elliot? How can they prove that it is fraudulent?
1: Yeah, that's and that's a thing. It would have been a tough crime to uh to prove. The wording that made it an offense would be somebody has to falsely pretend to exercise or use any kind of witchcraft, sorcery, enchantment, or conjuring, uh, undertake for a con- uh, consideration to tell fortunes, or pretend from his skill in or knowledge of the occult or crafty science to discover where or in what manner anything that is supposed to have been stolen or lost may be found. So like you said, it would be it would be tough. I guess the only one they could really hammer people on would be if you were taking money to tell fortunes back in the day, because obviously, you know, they could do an undercover sting on you uh, for that. But other than that, yeah, you're right. It, it would be a tough crime to to prove.
0: Well, something that you would do, right? <laughs> to go undercover and pretend. Would that be interesting?
1: <laughs> I Yeah, it, it would. Yeah, it would be. Actually, it would be really cool. Um, it would be really cool to do something like that. Uh, But there are some countries, though, where it's still illegal to this day. Saudi Arabia, India, some African uh, countries, Indonesia and Papua New Guinea, apparently.
0: Well, um, it is illegal, Dr. Elliot. Nevertheless, uh, everybody uh, who is interested that they engage and actually go and have things done. Nevertheless, and nobody can stop people from doing that.
1: That's interesting. Diane said she helped... uh Uh, She found a missing person in Nova Scotia by remote viewing, and the RCMP found him exactly uh, where uh, she said that they would find the missing person. That That is great.
0: that is yeah. great. Well, Diane, um, if you don't live in Canada, don't go to Canada. Don't move to Canada. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a modern-day witch hunt, for Pete's sake.
1: Oh, my God. We're supposed to get another storm on Thursday, too, and it's supposed to be ice this time, an ice storm. So that's oh, wow. a one. Um,
0: well, the one other... It's like for you exercising, right? It's just like exercising, go like shoveling that snow. It's exciting. You don't have to go to the gym, not that you can even to get out of the house.
1: She's in, oh, Ontario. She's so, in
0: Ontario. She's in uh, Ontario. So uh-huh. she hasn't
1: she hasn't been hit as hard as Cape Breton, but they still get their fair share of uh, of uh snow. Yeah. The other uh, interesting thing about black magic as well is uh there could actually be a psychological risk to it as well. Uh Some people become obsessed and uh, dependent on, doing the, the spells it almost becomes uh, an outlet for them it can also create fe- uh, fear and paranoia as well uh because if they start to believe you know that they're being uh, targeted by somebody else uh, retaliating and uh certainly it has eth- ethical concerns but from a supernatural perspective there are a lot of cultures and societies that believe in karma and that uh, i've always heard people that practice magic saying whatever you practice there could be uh you know, karma repercussions coming back to you, um, especially if it's negative. Uh, so certainly um, things to, uh, to take into consideration. I don't think I've ever done a spell. Not that I, not that I can remember. I mean, I remember reading books about spells and, and, and researching, uh, you know, that, that type of part of the paranormal. But I, I honestly don't think I've ever participated in, in doing a spell.
0: You know, one time I, um... when you do, you do all of the experiments on yourself, right? It doesn't matter what you do exactly. Like in medicine, you do experiments on yourself. You find all sorts of different pathologists with yourself physically. In psychology, we always self-diagnose ourselves with all sorts of, uh, if not all, mental disorders when you study that, right, Dr. Elliot? <laughs> you you research that and all of a sudden, oh, I have that. Oh, I have that. When we don't, right? Right even uh with the magic for example what is what is magic like in my understanding it's a certain uh energies that we can manipulate and as a researcher i also did uh one sort of uh, um, ritual one time um in um, with the solomon's uh um, magic and uh there are interesting uh at the time that I found interesting um, sigils uh, and signatures, uh, and I just wanted to see what it was uh, all about. And I wouldn't advise anyone, out of your curiosity, curiosity, just to go and explore that because uh, uh, even wanting to see it from my human perspective and Doing uh the sigil, and actually, I wrote it uh, and I drew it by hand, and I wrote it by hand. And when you try, and I also investigated. Every spirit behind it, I knew what it was all about, but it is impossible to investigate everything because we don't know it. We don't just communicate with those spirits on an everyday basis. We can't just like call them up and say, hey, uh, what are your specifications? What can you tell me about it? What can you do for me? Right? So we don't know that. And I did it once. And to tell you the truth, I had the worst uh, nightmare. And how? After that, and I thought that, okay, like I called up uh, the benevolent uh, spirits. And to me, they're all the representations uh, of the planets and the, uh, the zodiac uh, and astrology. However, those were the life entities. And one of the light life entities tell me its name and said, why didn't, wasn't I invited to that? Because I'm also a part of that ritual. And I didn't. Because when I investigated that, it had uh, uh, um, a lot of uh, dark energies behind it. I can't say him or her, but that was a a supposedly male spirit. But nevertheless, it came and it was tormenting me all night long, why didn't I invite him? It's just like in a story, remember, with um, with the sleeping beauty that at the time, uh, and all of those stories are archetypal mm. stories and why they survived up until uh now is in fact uh pretty explanatory and easy uh, because they all still have relevance in our lives now. So when the sleeping beauty was born, Her parents invited all of the good fairies and supposedly forgot to invite the bad witch who was also supposed to be at the birth of the uh, sleeping beauty. And the old witch... And why do we think that uh, the dark witches, the dark, uh, knowing women have to be always dark and nasty and cursing, you know, when it could be just uh, the nature, uh, the forest, uh, the unknown. And of course, they didn't invite her. So she comes and she says, she curses the little child. And of course, uh, uh, if the child had good uh, blessings from them, Uh, other uh, positive and good and light witches uh, uh, and fairies, she added to that and she said that in addition to everything, she's going to poke her finger and she is going to fall asleep, which she did. So exactly is here when we don't want to invite something negative into our life, nevertheless, they will come because They are associated with particular energies, uh, with the signatures, and we should not take it lightly because uh, when we don't know something necessarily, and even as a researcher as myself uh, doing a particular uh, uh, ritual just to know what is happening there, we can call upon dark energies that will come and can stay with us if we're not Careful, and of course, later on, I learned everything about that spirit, and that spirit uh, indeed was not invited. It was just the uh, upset that I didn't. But that spirit had very strong energies. So we have to be very careful. What we call dabbling in the occult, right? What is the occult? Just the hidden sciences, so which is also uh, what is the hidden and understood, like parapsychology. All those everything that we study under parapsychology. So, gotta be very careful, people.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true, and that uh, the we that goes to the Ouija board too, because a lot of people. Uh, oh yeah, I get asked. Uh, you know, what what do I think of the Ouija board? The stories about you know people pouring gasoline on lighting it on fire and it appears on their kitchen table the next day fully intact things like that i i don't believe in those stories i've never seen anything like that in in the 27 years that i've been investigating but where the dangers lie in the ouija board is that we don't know who we are communicating with um because uh you know we don't uh we can't see that individual it could be you know, a, a really nasty spirit that you're talking to. Uh, if you believe in demons, it could be a demonic entity. Um, or, you know, it, it could possibly be a, a harmless spirit. But the thing is, is you don't know who you're actually talking to. And sometimes evil uh, people, and uh, if you believe in the demonic, uh, the demonic will uh, try and befriend you and work their way into you, granting them permission to uh, to come into your into your life and into into your home. Uh, so so that,
0: that, that they can pretend something else to be something else.
1: Yeah, and that's that's where the danger the danger lies. I had that case in uh, Exeter where I wrote my first book, Evil in Exeter, uh, where the entity in the house was appearing to the little boy as another little boy, um, but when uh, it had appeared to the mother, it was a full adult with no eyes at all, just two black eye sockets. Um, so yeah, certainly depending on who you're communicating with, and I've even heard from some mediums as well, that, um, some mediums, they can only tell whether the energy is male or female, uh, whether they're given a name or who they are, that comes from the spirit. But, uh, I've had a lot of mediums. Yeah. Tell me the, almost like what I they're trickster spirits, um, You know, they can only go by what they're being fed information as well. Uh, You know, like I said, I know some mediums can tell whether it's a male energy or female energy, but um, I don't think that they are able 100% to, to confirm who they are actually talking to as well.
0: Yeah, and the Ouija boards is just the name of that particular board, the Ouija board. However, a lot of people, they do, they create different kinds of uh, um, things that look like a Ouija board that involve just like uh, putting a needle, for example, on the thread and just like drawing a circle by hand, by putting the letters there, and then the needle starts... Uh, 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 twisting in the direction of a letter and a lot of people uh, did that especially of course when they don't have access to the Ouija board. People can get pretty inventive and this is what I did too when I was 18. I got together with my girlfriends to do that where in my own house and I didn't know anything about it at the time and it sounded so cool and we decided to do it. While we were looking uh, with whom to communicate It was giving us the letters, of course. It doesn't just pronounce anything. And we were writing out those uh, uh, letters down, which came into words, then came into sentences. I had never heard such awful words and cursing in the first place, and the second directed against me. I got so scared at the time. Like, who would actually... Write it all down and I was writing it down with the letters that were appearing and my girlfriends also did not know anything like that and we would never use uh, that particular language and after that, when we asked who it was, in fact, it told us the name. And it was the name of a friend that I knew, not the friend, an acquaintance that I knew at the time. And he was kind of weird to start out with. And I decided not to socialize uh, with him any longer. At the time, when well, he said that, whatever said its name, and I wrote it down, nobody, none of my girlfriends knew that person. And I wrote it down. and. I said, that person is still alive. So that is just absolutely not possible that he would come at this time to communicate with us. So I closed everything without even understanding what I had to do when to close it. I burned the whole thing. But nevertheless, the spirit was already uh, summoned in the spirit state. So what happened that night?
1: Did he ever, uh, when you cut him like cut cut him off and, and told him, uh, or you know you just stopped kind of communicating with him? Did he ever ask why? Did he ever follow up with you? Who the, the spirit? The, yeah. Well, what. what oh. The person, it the,
0: the, the, the person itself, no, 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 no. no uh, yeah. The, or do you
1: think, or do you think the, the spirit, spirit was...
0: followed up with me? Yeah, that's right, Dr. Elliot. <laughs> yes, it did, it did, absolutely did. So, the did you, person, you
1: think? do you think the spirit used the person's name that you knew?
0: Well, check this out. So, what happened? I could not believe that uh, that would. The name of a leading person could be used. And I went to sleep after burning the whole thing off. And my girlfriends, uh, they stayed with me, uh, was, was slept on the, on the floor. But the thing is, I, as soon as I went to bed, I've noticed that I got so freezing cold that someone laid with me on the bed, actually in the back, I was on my side, and hugged me. I freaked out because I knew nothing. Uh, I did not have an experience like that before. And to me, that was very unusual. I got freaked out. So when I woke up, I um, called up a few friends of ours and actually found out that that person died just a few days before we had that uh, handmade Ouija board experience. So in my understanding that uh, the spirits, they know who to go to who can see them or who have this interesting uh board uh, called the Ouija board or anything else, if it is handmade, who can um, um, actually, they, they can communicate through that board. So we have to be so careful about it. And if we do that, we just have to cut all of the ties and send all of the spirits, spirits back.
1: Very fascinating that one. Um Yeah, that's, that's absolutely, uh, that, that's interesting. I would have liked to have uh, been there for that and experienced that one. Um, I, I, don't, have...
0: I don't think so. You know, like you continue to say that.
1: I know. In, I in
0: fact, I think that then I, usually really... regret
1: it. I usually regret it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You would regret it. Just think that your monkey one day is going to wake up and do something there. You're going to wake up screaming.
1: I know I do. Uh, I do usually uh, regret it. Uh, just before we get to Gloria's question here, uh, she, she asks about uh, how you can tell if you have a, a spirit attachment uh, to you. Um, I only had one experience with the Ouija board, but it was a positive one. And I've told the story, I think uh, on a few different podcasts, but uh, one time when we were kids um, we had a, a Ouija board and uh, unbeknownst to us, our mother went and had it blessed um, and asked uh, the priest uh basically do a blessing to only let uh good spirits come through so one time we were in our rec room and we could not find the tv remote for the, the downstairs television so we came up with the idea that we'd asked the ouija board and uh there was me my brother and uh my sister and um we asked it where it was and we kept getting the exact same response uts so we're like what does that mean like uts doesn't make any sense to us it's not a word. Uh, so then we started to think, well, maybe it's uh, an abbreviation. So we started to check under the stairs where we used to play. Uh, we checked underneath the sofa, uh, underneath the sofa cushions. And, uh, we even checked underneath the sink cause there was a downstairs bathroom. So we checked underneath the sink, but it wasn't there the next day. Uh, my sister was playing in her toy kitchen and she found the TV, uh, remote under the sink of the toy mm-hmm. kitchen um that's the that's the only experience that i had with the uh uh the ouija board but um again it was uh kind of a i guess a positive uh strange encounter for sure um but going to gloria's question about uh spirit attachments um i know uh like you said you could be like gloria said you could be going through just a bad time in your life, and you could attribute that to the paranormal. But uh, there are a bunch of emotional and uh, physiological signs. So some people will uh, experience mood swings or different emotional states, uh, such as anger, sadness, or fear, and it'll be very, very powerful and unusual for you. Um, not your typical kind of behavior. Uh, changes in personality as well. Uh, that's also commonly reported in, uh, demonic cases as well. Uh, feeling drained or fatigued is another common symptom because uh, a lot of people feel that it's almost like a psychic vampire. It's, uh, using your energy to manifest, uh, hearing voices, uh, assuming that you don't have, you know, schizophrenia or another mental illness. Uh, there could be some physical signs as well. Some people have reported uh, sudden pain, discomfort, um, feelings of being touched. Uh, obviously, signs around your house that uh, things are happening, footsteps, uh, strange noises, things like that. And uh, not just one of these, you know, one of these symptoms, obviously, it could be the house settling or something like that. Or you could just not be feeling well that day. Uh, we're talking multiple different characteristics happening to you. Um, some people have even reported uh, memory issues or blackouts. Uh especially in demonic, uh, again, demonic possession cases. A lot of people, when they're in that possessed state, they uh, don't uh, recall what their actions were, what their words were. Um, Some people also mention a disturbed sleeping pattern as well, being woken up at night. Um, Any any other symptoms, Dr. Yana, that uh, I'm missing?
0: Yeah, you pretty much uh, uh, covered the topic. I would probably add the addictions addictions of different kinds of um, uh, that that you can possibly imagine and they come from dark to obsessive uh, compulsive uh, behavior Uh, out of the blue like you said changes in personality that's something uh, that uh, you are used to doing you're no longer do i uh, feeling blue all the time, drained uh, that you mentioned. And that being drained can be sometimes not just the slightly tired, but absolutely exhausted. And what happens is that then it is are quite clear and uh, just the usual behavior when those spheres attach, they don't necessarily have to have the intellect of their own. Uh, they can be just the uh, substances, just the larvas uh, from the uh, um, the parallel realities, and or just from the spiritual whatever we call it, right? I call it parallel realities. Uh, they were just attached to, you and you will never know. Some are actually uh, look like different kind of uh, animals in a small form. They sometimes they look like um, different kinds of insects. That is, f- Absolutely atrocious to me, and I don't like it. Animals is a one thing, all right? And but the uh when they look like insects, it just uh, grosses me out, but I can still see it. Some of them can be small and attached to a particular uh part of the body, some of them can be big and covering your entire body. For example, on the back, one woman had um uh one uh Insect looking one that would uh, look like, um, you know, one of those uh, that crawl on the floor but like 40 feet, 40 legs, something like that. Like, oh, like a centipede. That's exactly, exactly. Ooh, don't even say it. So, it she would have that on her back. Well, the thing is that I did not have, um, the baseline for that person, right? I uh, met her uh, just briefly. Nevertheless, I did not know what she used to be like, but her entire life uh, was uh, dismantled. Uh, She did not know how to make decisions. Uh, Her mind would always be uh, uh, running a thousand miles per second. She would be doing everything and nothing at the same time. Uh, chaos in life, complete and utter chaos in life. And she did not ask for help. It is someone uh, that I uh, briefly came in contact with and I knew what she had. And the thing is that um, when people do not understand that they have a problem, that they just uh, try to attempt just the traditional methods, like going to the doctors, for example, taking medicine that we all look for this magic pill, right? Uh, Then it will still... Persist. The problem will persist. So those kind of entities, uh, they are just sitting there and sucking your energy, and that's when you're going to be drained, completely drained. And uh, addictions, uh, even smoking, smoking addiction, can be, and it can be um, something that is caused by those addictions also during. Smoking, for example, or even drugs. Those entities can enter. Then, of course, like would be a secondary infection, station infection as well, right? So we have to be pretty careful about it, and then identify it. We have to be able to identify that. Ask yourself a question, and be able to scan yourself. It is not so difficult. However, it just takes uh, time and determination to scan yourself and to see. Be willing to see what it is there and which part of your body uh, has an attachment or perhaps your entire life. Perhaps that is a spirit that has the intellect and is able to govern your life through the prism of its own intellect. Quite possible.
1: The next logical question to ask Dr. Ianna is uh, how do you rid yourself of a spirit attachment?
0: Oh, you can do it. uh, If it is an innocuous case, And a light case, it is possible to do it by yourself. And of course, uh, at uh, first, you have to identify what brought this attachment to you? What did you step? What land? What ground did you step? What uh, building did you go to? Which people did you associate with? Like, for example, in the uh, Black Magic, um, like you said, uh, where is it? um, That I did fall into a bad place in life and resorted to Black Magic uh, as a bad resort possibly. So that is... We do things when we are at the lowest in our lives in order to save ourselves. You know, that though we look for opportunities and possibilities to help ourselves, sometimes not the best choice. And in order to uh, rid ourselves, first identify where you caught it. And even that perhaps may not be the crucial part. You have to be able to cleanse yourself to even be able, to be willing to part with this thing. If it is an innocuous case, if it is something really uh, that doesn't have an intellect, it's possible to get rid of uh, by meditating, by praying, by cleansing yourself, by cutting uh, energy cords, emotional cords, uh, with everything and anything. Because we do form uh, bad negative energy cords with people Uh, and also uh, with places and events, and we have to be able to uh, and willing to let it go. So by identifying the place where you caught it, by identifying the entity and then working toward um, getting rid of them. But, In fact, there can be pretty uh, stubborn cases when you yourself do not even know where you caught it. It's like uh, catching a virus. Uh, If we can catch a virus, we can catch a spiritual virus as well. So uh, I would advise also to go to people who are knowledgeable in these topics, who can actually see it and help you identify it and rid you of it.
1: Yeah, so some uh, some people go see uh, Reiki masters for uh, energy healing. Um, I know uh, some people do salt baths as well uh, to yeah. kind of purify yourself and get rid of negative energy. Smudging as well uh, with sage, uh, prayer uh, if you're uh, religious for protection. Um, I know uh, other kind of cultures as well. Like they'll seek out, you know, a shaman or uh, maybe a, an elder, if if, uh, if it's a First Nations person?
0: Yeah, I've noticed that uh, uh, when people come to me, uh, what happens, and you can find me on uh, uh, Jana Greenberg, that me, uh what happens when people come to me and they seek help, we look for the first the original problem, where they caught it. And sometimes that could be even generational. And uh, we are able together just uh, to look it up and to see, identify the origin, the source of the problem, and work um, in that direction and... um, get rid of it sometimes it may not even be your fault sometimes it is something generational that travels from generation to generation from your parents to you and from you to your children so we have to also be able to identify that and uh, be able and willing to rid ourselves of any attachment spiritual attachments
1: i have heard of that uh, almost yeah like you said the generational um I don't wanna call it like a generational curse, but a generational attachment.
0: Generational attachment, generational problems we have. And uh, again, wouldn't have to have all these dire possession cases. It was just uh, as uh, uh, easy as, for example, when I looked at myself and my um, life, I um, noticed that quite often I would be engaged with people in some sort of activity And they will just turn around and betray me. (laughs) <laughs> betray my trust or the activity that in which that we were involved uh, cancel the partnership and I started the uh, pondering that question and I thought okay if it is not my problem it is not it was not my personal problem I decided to look what in the past that happened to my uh, ancestors perhaps that could cause it and I was able to identify it and I did not have to go far. It was uh, actually shortly uh, uh, after World War One yeah. when my great-grandfather did not keep a word given to his partner, business partner, did not keep the word, which I did not know anything about it, and that followed... From the time, evidently, there are strong feelings uh, involved. Of course, when you don't uh, keep your part of the agreement, the other party becomes uh, uh, really upset. So he did not keep his part of the agreement. Essentially, that was a betrayal. And we don't want to believe like when we betray someone, right? We want to still to preserve our face and believe otherwise. But nevertheless, that was a betrayal. And I was able to deal with that and close that off and um, state that I no longer uh, responsible for the deeds of my ancestors that it was all paid for already. And after that... Exactly. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I noticed that since then, that did not happen. Wow. So this is so interesting that we don't have to go far to look for something for some sensational cases. It happens day to day to regular people like you and me and everyone who is watching and listening to us. So that those cases are interesting because they have the direct impact on us and when you take care of the origin of the problem then the symptoms disappear
1: wow very very fascinating so you were almost being punished for uh something that your your grandfather had done and you great
0: grandfather exactly he
1: had, yeah he had broken uh you know his uh, agreement or promise and uh and you were having that happen to you. That's that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, because, you know, in the Bible, this is what it says, and I've read it there somewhere that says that we are responsible for the Sins of our ancestors, of our fathers and grandfathers, essentially. Right. And I did not believe that. So how could it be? How can we pay for sins? And of course, uh, that was considered a sin. Right. I don't believe in a concept of a sin. It's something that we do that goes against our moral uh, um Uh, understanding, right? However, when you do something like that, it does affect our future generations. It affects our children and affects our grandchildren. And if we don't care, if we don't take care of that at the time, it will follow through generation to generation and we will never know what the problem is we'll just continue to blame ourselves we will look for salvation in psychology in psychotherapy and never arrive at any particular destination
1: very very fascinating thank you for sharing that with us
0: so dr Elliot, you are now my next patient come on
1: Well, next week, we have a very interesting guest, actually, uh, Ada Ajik. I had uh, spoken to her uh, through LinkedIn, actually. She had reached out to me um, and wanted to talk to me about her work over in Bosnia. She does paranormal investigations over in Bosnia, and um, she has had a couple of paranormal experiences herself, and uh, she's going to talk to us about uh, her theory that haunted houses maybe as a result of curses. And uh, she has investigated uh, quite a few of those. So I'm looking forward to having her on the on the show uh, next Tuesday night.
0: That is marvelous. Come join us. You were with us on United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM. You are listening to Science and Paranormal with Dr. Elliot and Dr. Yana. Thank you very much for all your questions and your stories and communication and discussion. So we do appreciate you. So yes. come again next week. We'll yes, see you
1: next please. Week. And uh, don't forget, you can email us at science and the paranormal at ppri.net. And you can also visit our website at www.scienceandparanormalpodcast.com. And don't forget to give us a like, a follow, subscribe, share and comment on our uh, any of the listening platforms that you uh, listen to us on. It just helps uh, support us. And uh, it was, it's was it been great. Uh, really enjoyed the first open mic. Didn't know where the conversation was going to go, but uh, that was great.
0: Fantastic. We'll see you next week.
1: All right. Have a good important. night, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.